What's up, guys? Welcome back to Sit Down with Sid podcast. This is season two, episode number three. Our guest today is an event MC, a TEDx speaker, an executive, and a startup coach whose clientele ranges from individual founders to national governments. He is the founder of several startups in multiple countries and was also recognized as top 40 under 40 leader for promoting bilateral relations between Europe and India. Without further ado, it's my pleasure to welcome our guest today, Dan Bram. Hi, Dan. Hey, hey, it's so nice to be here, Sid. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Thanks so much, Dan. We really appreciate you for taking the time to come on our podcast, you know. Um, so, Dan, before we kind of dive into the podcast, you know, would you like to take a moment and give a little bit of a background to our audience watching this episode? Absolutely. I'm grateful that I get to live with a why and not a what. So a lot of people describe who they are by what they do. And I'm very grateful that at the age of 36, I get to live my life by why I do what I do. Mm-hmm. And that is to be number two. So for most of my life, growing up as the son of an Indian diplomat, uh, going to college, I went to some of the top universities in the world, from Yale University in the US, Trinity College in Ireland, now doing a PhD at the top engineering college here in Germany. And for my entrepreneurial experience, which I know is something that you and I share in common, building businesses, for all of that, people made me number one. They poured resources and support and love and encouragement and challenged me and pushed me. And I'm so grateful for that. All of my success and accomplishments I owe to people around me and especially my family. And then at the age of 29 or 30, I had this pivotal moment where, you know, you kind of think, what's the purpose of life? And I realized that because my success was those around me, and I kept hearing from other entrepreneurs and other founders, innovators, all the haters and all the negativity. I was like, this is terrible. Let me be what my community was to me. Let me be to others. And that's when I went from kind of being number one in everybody's eyes to being number two and supporting the future number ones of the world. So that is why I do what I do. And therefore, the list of what I do is exhausting and exhaustive, Sid. I do everything from one-on-one coaching with founders and speakers and CEOs. I do group trainings and companies around uh, lean, you know, canvas thinking and business modeling and entrepreneurship and innovation. But mostly what I do is I run major tech conferences, So I'm the host of over 100 tech conferences a year on four different continents. I'm doing two to three a week. And it's really exciting because, like I said, I get to be number two to everybody. I get to introduce some fun founders, some innovators, some investors, politicians, artists, musicians, athletes. I get to bring them on stage. I get to learn from them, but I get to celebrate them. I get to put the light on them. And I get to encourage everybody in the audience to also achieve their dreams. So that is the long version. You didn't give me a time limit, Sid. So that was the long version of my story of who I am. Love it, man. Love it. I I really like your perception, you know. Actually, you are the first person. I have never heard such thing that you are the number two now helping others who are number one. I mean, that's. I think that's coming from a very humble background and very grateful attitude that you have, you know, from what I can sense, which is amazing. So, So let me ask you now, what transpired you to choose this career, say, life path, you know, of entrepreneurship, uh, hosting major tech conferences, et cetera. Lead us into that journey, you know, if you don't mind. So I didn't choose it. Just put that out there. Some people in life 
some of you that are watching or listening to this podcast, you know exactly who you want to be. You know exactly what you want to accomplish. You've got it written on your vision board. You've got the goal on your wall. And that's fantastic. I applaud you for persevering to achieve your goal. I wasn't that way. I was the kind of guy that put my best effort in whatever I was doing. So if I was playing the saxophone for my school band, I would practice and practice and practice and practice my saxophone until it was the best that it could be. I had no goals to be a professional saxophone player. I just wanted to do it the best I could. If I was uh, playing badminton or tennis, I would go to classes and I would practice and practice and practice, just be the best badminton or tennis player that I could be. If I was studying, I'd make sure to have really good notes and prepare as best as I could. I just one of these guys that gave my best to whatever it is that I was doing. So I'd say for me, it's more work ethic and I'm opportunistic for sure. I see opportunities all around. And so when something comes up, I'm first to jump in and I certainly put in the work to learn as I go. So I would say that what I do now found me and not the other way around. Now, for sure, as a kid and what you may not see or hear in my voice is I was not who I am today. I was certainly a very shy, introverted, socially awkward child. You know, my uh, parents bought me pets because I loved animals. And I would certainly, everyone would say that I preferred animals over humans. So the fact that I have a career that involves only interacting with humans is bizarre. I certainly would have been nervous to raise my hand in class and ask a question, let alone be in front of five to 10,000 people uh, in an auditorium or a convention center. So this has been a little bit of a surprise to me too, but for sure I worked hard at it. So, you know, when I would notice that the cool kids in class could get people to laugh, I would study that. What is it about the way they stood or said something that made everyone laugh? When I watch the TEDx talkers or, you know, when you watch the movies where the coach gives that very motivational speech or a politician gives a, you know, gets a standing, up, uh, standing ovation, how did they do that? I studied, I studied and I practiced it. And I did that in everything, Sid, whether it was being an advisor to the prime minister of Ireland and to the national government on entrepreneurship policy. That was one of these really interesting chapters of my life. Whether it was working for the UN, that was my first job out of college, whether it was building my businesses. I mean, I don't come from an entrepreneurial family as such. Um, we have innovators, we have thinkers, but no one's really a full-time entrepreneur. Uh, but when the recession hit, I had no other choice. I just built businesses and I gave my best to that, even if I didn't know what I was doing. And so in this very twisted, curvy, adventurous, very fun, lots of highs and lows journey that is called life. This is the chapter that found me. And I must say, of all the different things I've done, this one certainly makes me come alive the most. I think this is the, the culmination. All those experiences in the past have come to meet me at this point because it's a happy mix of uh, performance and intellect and creativity and interacting with humans and challenging myself daily. You know, every scenario, every stage, every person you bring on stage, every audience member throws a curveball. And so I have to be on my toes constantly. And I love it. I absolutely love it. That's amazing. Dan, I remember in your first line, you said, we all know what we want, who we want, when we want. My question to you is, being an entrepreneur myself, there are a lot of people, including myself at one point, where I did not know what I want, who yeah. I want to be, and when I wanted it, right? What do you have to say to those people who are in that situation in life listening to you right now? 
So the first thing to to say is there is no time to it. I mean, for mm -hmm. me, it was about 29.30. That's when okay. I figured it out. And this is after working four or five entirely different industries. And we're talking UN on one hand. We're talking World Vision, which is a charity in India on another mm -hmm. hand. We're talking government advisory work, which is bureaucratic work on the other hand, to building business. Like I tried everything. So first of all, there's no time limit. When it hits, it hits and it's magical. It feels different. You wake up completely different the next day. Second, you got to try stuff, right? So I already shared some of those things I tried. I didn't know I was going to be doing this right now. And I'm not even committing that I'll do this for the next 50 years of my life. This is just the chapter that I'm in right now and I'm loving it. And so you got to try things along the way. But Sid, even right now, as a moderator and MC, I'm still trying things. You know, I started building a social media agency, another thing that you and I have in common. Um, but as I was speaking, I was thinking, okay, there's 3,000 people in the room, but there's millions online. Why don't we take the same content, same conference that people cannot fly to and attend in, you know, Bucharest, Romania, or some part of Austria or something and make it available to the world? It's not genius. It's just, you know, seeing opportunity where it is and started building a digital media agency. There are very few, maybe I can count in one hand, the number of MCs and speakers that bring their own vlogger with them to an event the way that I do. And so this, this is, again, innovating and trying stuff. Some things work, some things don't. Even for next year, I'm trying some different things. So the second thing I will say, so first thing was, there's no time limit. Right. So be patient. Second thing mm -hmm. is, keep trying different things. Don't keep trying the same thing and expect a different result. Try different things. And the third thing I would say is never, ever, ever stop investing in yourself because ultimately you are the greatest asset. And so I didn't give up on myself when I wasn't a good communicator. And now I've made a career as a communicator and storyteller. I might've not been the most successful, even the best entrepreneur, but the stuff that I was doing, no one studied it as much as I did. No one learned in it as much as I did. So certainly put in the work, invest in yourself and keep growing, keep trying new elements to yourself. I love music. I've done music my whole life, mm -hmm. but I haven't, released a song in over a decade i think the last time i was in a studio was 10 years ago but i was like you know what next year 2023 i'm going to put out a single why well why not you know you never know what's going to come out of it and so those are kind of three things i'd say to someone who hasn't really found themselves yet is there's no time limit keep trying different things and never stop investing in yourself i love your attitude man your energy is contagious i gotta tell you that <laughs> now it. i want to talk about you are also a TEDx speaker. Uh -huh. I mean, for our audience who don't know what a TED speaker is, could you tell us a little bit about what that concept is? How did you become? And then I'm going to ask you a few questions related to that. Sounds good. So the TED platform is something that was created a couple of years ago to honor ideas worth sharing. That's their tagline, ideas worth sharing ideas mm -hmm. worth talking about. It's about unique people doing unique things or at least having unique observations uh, and initiatives. And so it's a platform that started like anything else quite small and has grown into this global movement where on university campuses and companies, headquarters and cities around the world, they gather a select group of people, maybe 10 or 12 people every year who will present their ideas. And you're given a very short amount of time usually 12 minutes, 14 minutes, maximum mm -hmm. about 16 minutes. 
mm-hmm. to present an idea. So this could be someone who's done some significant PhD research and they got to take seven years of work and put into 12 minutes. It could be a teenager that has invented something. This is actually an actual TEDx talk. He invented mm-hmm. a way to prevent lions from attacking his tribe and he's based in Kenya and he had 12 minutes to present that idea. So I actually have done five of those talks. It started off uh, a while ago in Ireland Mm -hmm. with the concept of home. You know, I grew up in 10 countries. I'm now living in country number 11 on four continents. And everywhere I've gone, I've always been the outsider, always been the one that's different, always the one that looks, sounds, feels different. But I've also always found a home, always had incredible community, incredible friends, incredible ways of contributing And so I gave this talk called Resident Alien. Mm -hmm. How can you not belong and belong? How can you be an outsider and an insider? How can you be other or alien and also family? And so that was the talk that I gave based on my life as the son of a diplomat. And that kind of, you know, catapulted me to the next level with speaking And then I was getting hired by companies to do speaking. And then over the years, I've just been doing more and more. And in fact, earlier today, Sid, I got another Mm -hmm. invitation to do a TEDx talk here in Germany. That's amazing. If I say yes to that, that'll be the sixth one. Congratulations, (laughs) man. Very, very nice. I want to talk about, you know, there are four factors that you shared in your TED speaker, uh, diversity and inclusion. Mm -hmm. Start now, start simple. Evolve or die. Opportunity in crisis. How do you tie all of this in? You know, I mean, start now, start simple. I get it, you know, keep it as simple as possible. Evolve or die, as we say, you know, do or die, right? All in or nothing, opportunity in crisis. Do you want to touch base shortly on this? Like, you know, how does this all tie in and how are you able to list these in this manner, you know? They all tie in with one very simple philosophy. Every time I open my mouth, it is to add value to the other person. I don't sell anything. I don't promote anything. Uh, I'm not here to uh, make money from people listening to me or buying my courses. I just want to add value. So all those four things are just responding to the struggles and to the obstacles and the needs I was hearing from my audience. So Start Now, Start Simple is actually quite a funny uh, Mm -hmm. but uh, true story of my life of being unemployed in Ireland for 18 months even though I had a Yale degree and an MBA degree, and even though I was promised the world and anything I could achieve, but when a recession hits, a recession hits. There's nothing you can do about it. And I was an immigrant in a foreign country. And how just by saying yes to simple opportunities, very simple volunteer opportunities or support opportunities, very insignificant opportunities, it led to something very significant, which is writing the National Policy of Entrepreneurship in Ireland and advising the national government on that. And that's the story. And essentially I was listening to everybody that was saying, but I can't do it. Oh, that's not for me. Oh, I have a dream, but I can't achieve it. Or that seems too big. I don't even know where to start. And it's so simple. You start now and you start simple. Evolve or die was similar as well. You know, people are afraid of change. And I kept hearing that, you know, I'd say, oh, but you could do this, you could do that. I'm like, yeah, but I feel safe here. I feel comfortable here. And so I started doing a talk about companies that were afraid to change with the Mm -hmm. times, companies that we know, you know, like your Kodaks of the world that used to hold the patents to digital camera. And now where are they? Nowhere, you know, Uh, and other companies that had opportunities to evolve, but did not. And so 
I essentially say you got to evolve or you'll die. Upstream crisis, something that came up in the pandemic. You know, everybody was hit hard, especially this guy, right? My career depends on traveling and talking to huge numbers of people. And the first two things that stopped with the pandemic is traveling and talking to huge groups of people. And yet my business doubled during the pandemic. It's not because I'm extra smart or anything. It's just because I found the opportunity that exists in crisis. You just have to be willing to keep your eyes open, to keep your head and heart open and step into the moment. And so that was opportunity in crisis. Diversity inclusion is just an important one for me because I think especially a lot of Indians, and maybe you'll resonate with this, Sid, look at us as having maybe achieved something in like not tangible. Mm-hmm. And they might credit it to maybe our accent or to our connections or something. But at the end of the day, you and I still face a lot of struggles. I mean, even though we might have made it, there's still a decent amount of marginalization or discrimination. Sometimes it's direct and in your face. And sometimes just the way people look at you or maybe they don't expect anything from you. And I'm just trying to tell them we're all that. Everybody is diversity. Diversity is not the black person or the brown person in a white crowd. Sometimes it's the white person in a black crowd. Like everybody is diverse and everybody needs to be included. So just start, stop playing the victim and start seeing your difference as your superpower, right? As a brown guy with an American accent, I'm making a killing in Europe. But you know what I could have said? I don't have a European accent. I don't look like a European. I don't know the European culture. I don't know a European language. That's the victim. Or I could say, actually, my accent, my global perspective on things, the fact that I'm brown and what is otherwise predominantly a male, white dominated speaking stage is my superpower. Same guy, different perspective. And so essentially all my talks are just trying to encourage people to believe and this one life that we have, let's live it well. So that's the tie. The glue is I listen to people. I see what are they complaining about? And I go, but look at this. There's another way to, uh, to deal with it. I love that attitude, man. It's amazing. Uh, I'm going to talk about public speaking. You're also a public speaker as well. Now, actually, before I go to public speaking, I'm going to talk about a little bit of coaching, you know, uh, B2C coaching and B2B. So what I mean to say is you coaching corporate, you know, executives versus you coaching regular humans, you know, regular customers, you know. What is the biggest difference you find in them and how do you approach to that? That's, that's my question to you. Yeah. Well, money makes a big difference. So with a big corporate, mm-hmm. there is a budget for improving and coaching. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so there is some other department in some other city somewhere that pays for someone's coaching. Right. And that makes a difference in how much attention and time and commitment they have to the coaching. On the other hand, when I'm working with founders and and musicians and artists on topics like personal branding or uh, digital marketing or pitching, you know, it's their own money coming out of their own pocket from their own bank account. And so they come in ready to maximize the sessions. But money also works the opposite way for both groups of people. Because when I get to work with the likes of uh, HP or BMW or these big, big companies, I can work long term and I can see sustained, consistent growth with these leaders because there's funding for it. On the other hand, when I'm working with a young artist or entrepreneur, 
We have to squeeze in as much as possible into three sessions because that's all they can afford. And I move fast, but I don't have the joy of kind of spending months or even years seeing them grow. Um, but it's intense and we work fast. So money works both ways. There's pros and cons to both. My, uh, I think I didn't put my question correctly. So what I wanted to ask you is when you coach executives in a company versus mm -hmm. when you coach regular customers, do you find more of a personal obstacle or a professional obstacle coming from the other end? Oh. Do I make sense? Yes. Okay. I would That's say my, yeah. that every professional, relational, emotional, spiritual obstacle it all comes back to personal. And mm -hmm. that's what I focus on. My coaching is a combination of two things. Mm -hmm. It's always a deep dive into personal mm -hmm. development, but mm -hmm. always something actionable in their professional world. So if it is a woman that feels not valued in the mm -hmm. workplace, mm -hmm. there is a, a personal element to it where we have to develop just their own self-confidence, their own self-esteem, their own self-worth. But there is also a professional element that I go, okay, now let me teach you how to sit differently because body language has a huge impact on how people perceive you. Or let's talk about your vocal expression because your tonality, your word choice also creates impressions in people's minds. So my coaching is a combination of both, but I personally believe that everything comes back at the bottom to something personal. Great. Uh, I want to talk about public speaking. You know, what is the most exciting thing you like about public speaking? Oh, the most exciting thing about public speaking for me is honestly, it's about value. You mm -hmm. know, I, I know this is something that can be, uh, you know, said a lot, uh, something that maybe people gloss over. It's just a night. But honestly, what I love. What gives me the greatest fulfillment and satisfaction, Sid, is when I come back in the evening and I get a text message from someone saying, I never dared to believe, but after your talk today, I'm going to do it. Or I never thought I could, but you broke it down so easily that now I believe I can. That is of the highest value. Because like I said, I've been very lucky that people said those things to me and therefore I've been able to achieve what I can. And the best thing I could do is pass that on now. And I love when I see the value that is received from people. I love when I, I can see that what I said matched their need in that moment. And it was a, it was a right word at the right time. Great. Dan, so let me, for our audience who want to reach out to you, say for uh, coaching sessions, you know, public speaking opportunities, could you tell us what is the best way for them to reach out and where should they reach out? And we will actually put that information in the description of this video as well. That's very kind. So first of all, before any of you think about following me, you must know something. I use social media for conversation. So please follow me only if you want engagement. I post videos daily that are free on the things that I'm learning, seeing, experiencing, and I always end those videos with drop a comment below because I want to start a conversation. And if you drop me a message asking for some help, expect an answer quick and do not think it's a bot because the whole reason I'm online is to support people and help people, right? Like I said, I'm number two. And so only follow me <laughs> if you think that you can gain something. Honestly, that's why I'm there. Uh, so please follow me with some expectation to grow and to develop. 
Uh, I'm searchable online. You just look up Dan Ram, D-A-N-R-A-M. And if you type in I am Dan Ram on anything from Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, you will find me. I'm very, very active. Like I said, lots of content as I travel the world. And most likely I'll be in a city where you're at 150 events a year. So I am traveling a lot. And if I'm in the city, uh, also don't be surprised if I'm like, let's meet up. Uh, let me support you. Let me uh, let me help you in person. So I'm online. I'm uh, very active there. And I'd love for you to be part of the journey as well. Thanks, Dan. Dan, last question. A couple of other things before we wrap this up. What separates Dan Ram from the others in this profession? Why Dan? Good question. Can I can I use uh, your phrase? Outwork, outlast, outperform. Sure. That's, uh, <laughs> that's on your website. That's what makes Sid stand uh, stand apart. But honestly, I think there's a bunch of things I could say, and I have said, like around work ethic or considering opportunities or being open minded or um, diversity. But at the end of the day, there's one thing that probably no one has ever said on your podcast, but I believe is the truth. And I believe it is the essence and the core of my entire existence and everybody's. And that is for me is spirituality. So that is a topic that rarely comes up when it comes to business or when it comes to people who are in the public eye or who are speakers is their spirituality. But the reason I have this abundance, opportunistic attitude of life is because I believe in a God who is abundant. The reason I am positive and hopeful is not because I have some special medication or something that I smoke or something that I eat that gives me this attitude. It's because I have hope in a God that takes care of me. Um, you know, maybe when you did your research, you saw videos of me with President Barack Obama or Richard Branson, and you have all these billionaire investors. And most people will think I am lucky or fortunate because I have those connections. And those are true. But I have a connection that's even greater. Right. So Obama's net worth and Richard Branson's net worth is still limited. Obama and Richard Branson's impact is still limited. But I believe in an unlimited God and I believe I have a connection to an unlimited God. And so I operate very differently. I operate like I'll never get tired. I operate like I uh, will have an impact beyond what I can see. I operate with a lot of hope. Uh, I operate with a lot of love and a lot of trust for people because I believe in a God who stands for all those things. So that is, I think, what separates me from others is deep inside the source of all of this is different. I think most other people will claim the source to be their own, and that's okay. No disrespect, but I'm not going to take credit for what is not mine. I did not make my body. I did not make my mind. I did not make my attitude. Uh, all of these are a gift from God. And so that's what I do is I just use that gift for him. Dan, that's amazing. Yeah, uh, Dan, I, I got to tell you, man, this has been a blast you know i had a great time chatting with you getting to know you more you know and uh from our end i want to wish you all the very best you know in everything and anything that you do and as you said if you are ever in new york city let's catch up you know so I would i'm gonna love steal that. your phrase yes definitely maybe show me another side to manhattan <laughs> definitely i'm up for that so then you know uh since we're on a time crunch i really wanted to bring you on you know share some insights and, uh, you know, I want to wish you all the very best, you know. Thanks. I want to take 60 seconds to say thank you for doing what you do. You said this is uh, season two, which means you've already put in significant effort 
what people don't see, what they see is this, this moment, but what they don't see is the emails and the logistics and the planning and the editing and the marketing to put it out there. So thank you for doing what you do for your community and for creating value for all of them. Uh, and I hope that your audience, and I believe that your audience thanks and supports you. They may not all have the voice, so I'll be the voice right now since I'm talking to you uh, and say thank, thank you for you your work too. Thank you. Thanks you know, for having me. Definitely. Thank you very much. You know, take care. Be well. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye. Bye.